This is the Blue Room. One hour, everything Everton. Radio City Talk. A very good evening. You're listening to the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. It's me, Dave Downey, Simon Magna, Elliot Bretland, and Matt Jones in with you for about an hour, probably a little bit longer by the time we've got to the bottom of some things. Uh, an hour of chaos, uh, disgust, calmness, whatever it is these lads are going to bring. You're going to hear it over the next hour. Um, we're good. We'll get straight into it. I was going to start by having a nice cushy discussion about uh, Stoke Matt, but things have taken a twist. <laughs> Some would say on a downward on a downward note. Uh, in the last few minutes, with the news that um, from Paul Joyce, uh, who's, who's a very reliable source, mm. amongst other people, saying that Enna Valencia is uh, on his way to Everton. What are your initial thoughts about that? I'll, I'll let you answer that first because I, I class you as a rational person. So pretty underwhelmed. I'd, I'd have to say, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's it's become quite apparent, hasn't it? There's been links with the likes of Manolo Gabbiadini. Obviously, Everton were looking at Lucas Perez. And it seems as though Valencia is someone who is quite far down on the list in that sense. He's he's a player who can play up top, but he typically plays wide. You can play on the left flank, on the right flank, you play off the striker. And I think Perez and Gabbiadini are the sorts of players that fit into that mm. kind of adaptable bracket as well. But I, can't, I have to say, I've never been totally impressed with him when I've seen him. Uh, at the World Cup, obviously, he played quite well in 2014. West Ham have brought him in. And just before he came on there, I had to look how many goals he scored in his last two seasons. He scored eight goals in two seasons for, for West Ham. So, not completely convincing. Uh, I don't think he looks after the ball very well. I don't think he uses it very well when he gets it in the final third either. He can get muscled off the ball quite easily as well. But, desperate times call for def- desperate measures, don't they? And when you look at Everton's striking options at the moment with Lukaku, Aruna Kone is the only other one, and uh, Umani Asso said he's going to be on his way out as well. So, it seems as though Everton have exhausted all their options and he's kind of a, a last resort for us. Yeah, that, that's the way it feels for me. I've been, I've been tweeting quite extensively in the last few hours about um, how... Everything looks very, very panicky at the moment. And Elliot, I, I, I'm, I apologise in advance for uh, bringing you in to, for your Blue Room debut. It's such a baptism of fire <laughs> with all of this nonsense kicking off. Um, but I mean, a lot of people are saying that this is potentially an upgrade on what we've got. I mean, if you if you, you take the bare face of it, there's Niasse, there's Kone. It, I mean, my argument is it doesn't take much to improve on those two, and I think that's what the optimistic Evertonians are clinging on to with Enna Valencia being linked with the club. What are your initial thoughts? It's a bit. I agree with Matt. To be honest, it's it's desperate times, and we need the bodies. He's a player who's played in the Premier League, and a lot of people have said, you know, we need a striker if Lukaku gets injured, and I suppose <laughs> he is a player that can play up front if mm-hmm. needed. Um, but yeah, I think we've we've we've, we've struggled this summer basically. Um, We've got the we've got the funds to do stuff now, but um, finishing eleventh last year hasn't done us any favors really. And I think I don't think this is the window where I think this is just a window where we we improve slightly, we 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 get by. But I think the January window is where we'll see hopefully the better names coming in. Where Cooman has a lot more mm. time to plan, a lot more time to maybe contact clubs and players and agents to. And you know that, but again, it's it's important that we have a good start with the squad that we've got. Um, and a Valencia, it's it's not great, is it? But it's it's someone that can that can play up top, and that's what we need. A lot of people been uh, tweeting us. It's at the Blue Room EFC if you want to get in touch uh, about anything over the course of the next hour. I'll try and keep them clean because uh, we're live on the radio and I'm reading them out and I'm in a bad mood myself. So <laughs> um, a slip of the tongue wouldn't be most welcome at this point. So I, uh, I mean, the, the first time you come on the Blue Room a few weeks ago. Uh, for our season preview with me and Matt. And it, again, it was me who was getting very panicked about the situation, saying you've had all summer. And you two 
with the rational voices that sort of pulled me back down to earth and, and said, well, you know, things take time. Walsh and, and Cooman and everybody else has got a, a plan in place. We're sitting here now with, what, just over four hours to go until until the window closes. I mean, I, I think it, it, is it time to press the panic button? I don't think so. Um, I mean, obviously everyone knew that we needed a striker going into the window. Everyone knew we, we needed a goalkeeper. Um, and, and we still do, I think. Uh, as, as good as Stecklenberg's been in, in, in his opening games, um, I, I still think I, I'm a little bit disappointed we didn't go in for Hart. Um, and, and as has been pointed out before already, if Lukaku picks up an injury, um, that leaves us up a creek without a paddle, if you will. Um, with regards to Valencia, I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of a different sort of... I don't think he, he can add too much to what we've already got at the moment. Mm. Same more as a bit of a wide player, in a, and I think what we have in Balassi, what we have in Morales, what we have in De La Feu, um, I'm not sure he is an upgrade on, on what we have at the moment. And... and, and um, it is a little bit underwhelming and it is, a, I suppose, a little bit of a concern. But at the same time, I do, I do have faith that this is, you know, it, it's a new regime. It's going to take time. It, it's, as as Al said um, just a little bit ago, you know, we, we are suffering from finishing in, in 11th and, and that that's going to be, you know, take time to get over. Is is that is that an, an argument that you can put forward, Matt, a strong one? Because, I mean, you look at... Stoke Adden, Wilfred Boney, Bruno Martins in there, who we were linked with mm. in the window as well. The, the, the cash is there for every Premier League side, and, and, and ironically, that's what Cooman said about mm. how sort of saturated the market is now with every team having money able to strengthen. We're just one of many in, in a pool of clubs, I think, that are going after this particular type of player. I mean, we've had a, a question in from uh, Tom Fox 87. He says, Do you believe the potential debacle is due to the damage caused by Martinez, like you alluded to there, Sai, with the 11th place finish? Or is it Ken Wright being a weak link? And I, I can see this credence to an argument to a certain extent that the way things have been run at Everton for a few years, which a lot of people look at, much publicised. Mm. We know about protests, we know about people questioning Bill Kenwright and, and Robert Elston and people like that, but it does make you think, well, is it the same horse but a slightly different jockey in terms of how we deal with transfers? I think it's going to take a while for the, everyone at the club to, to change, really. I mean, this is the, I mentioned this on the, on the preview show, this is the first time ever Everton have had a, a director of football in the history. It's the first time they've ever been dealing with these kinds of players who... You know, I've got Calibre, I've got Gravitas, and you, they're going to make fancies up and go, wow, I can't believe we're bringing him in. So I think it's new for everyone, and it's going to take time before, if Everton are going to get into that category where they can attract those sorts of players. Obviously, you just mentioned there, the 11 place finishes, mm. that's not going to be good. And I think, it, it, you know, it's quite evident, really, if you look at the players we've brought in, and potentially Valencia being another one, Sissoko's obviously been taught as another one. They've all come from English clubs, none of them have come from clubs from abroad. You know, but there's been talk about Brahimi, Gazal, Gabbiadini. And it seemed even Axel Witzel as well, and earlier in the window, other players from abroad, and we haven't been able to seem to, we haven't seemed to have dealt with that very well. There's, there's been talk about teams agreeing if he would uh, for a player, and they've been up in the, the the transfer price, and it seems as though the club have maybe gone in, into the window, been a little bit naive, not quite expecting the, uh, the issues are going to come into. But but listen, it's there are positives mm. to take from the window. I think that the first team does look a lot better. I think that he's had the power and strength to the team, a lot of dynamism as well. But there are areas where we, we do look short, and I think uh, I worry that it's going to come and hamper us at least in the campaign. The market's overinflated at the moment as well. Though. Yeah. I think you've got to bear that. And I, I think we, we we said in in the pre-season show as well that you don't want to spend money for spending money's sake. And and 
outside when I was waiting with Brett, uh, you know, for the past twenty minutes, Dave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's throwing digs in already. Yeah, <laughs> we were we were talking about. Um, I don't think I've spoke to anyone who thinks that Balassi's worth twenty five million, and that that's not you know not having a dig at him or anything like that. But that's just the market that we're playing in at the moment, and I think. Um, I don't know where the, the rumour came from, you know, when, when, when we went into the summer that we had this £100 million mm. war chest or anything like, something like that. It's, it's, you know, it was just dug up out of nowhere and, 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 and I think, you know, people can see that and, and, and people deal with you when you, you know that, you know, you, you, you've got different budgets and mm. yeah, I, think, I think that's a problem mm. that we've got to deal with as well. Ali, go on, yeah. I mean, I think in terms of the players that we're trying to uh, sign as well, there's a generation of fans that haven't seen Everton be successful mm-hmm. and that generation are the current footballers. All the footballers yeah. now are all at an age where they haven't seen us win things. Does does Gabby Adini know who Everton are, really? He knows that they're in the Premier That's League. Point, yeah. But does he, you know, if he's, <clears> he's been linked with Fiorentina, Fiorentina, regularly in Europe, Everton, I'd say we've been in five or six seasons well, in the I last think 25 that was, years. That was part of the um, argument and upheaval from Southampton when Ronald Koeman yeah. come to Everton yeah. because he, he, obviously he's a man who understands what Everton were back in the 80s. That was his heyday when Everton were the top, top side in Europe. And people are raising their eyebrows now thinking, well, why would he go there? But that's the answer yeah. because he's seen how big of a club Everton are and can potentially be again. Um, that, I think that's an excellent point. Actually, I never quite thought of things that way. Um the calibre of players we've been linked to in, today, in a nutshell, really, have gone from Gaviadini, Brahimi, mm. to the, the, the probably well, I would deem the other end of the scale in terms of Sissoko, and now Ena Valencia. I mean, they look the two most likely to be done yeah. before the deadline, Matt. I mean, did they? Does that look like it's panic stricken to you going to that extent, or do you just simply think that's the next person in line on Ronald Koeman's transfer list? I think that the, I'll take them differently. I think Sissoko is a player Everton seems to have had a, an interest in throughout the summer. Blown hot and cold. Yeah, yeah. there was there was reports ready early in the window. I think it was Andy Hunter in the Guardian saying that Everton were looking at him. Uh, seen reports last week saying Everton were keeping tabs on him as well. So it seems as though that one's been in the pipeline for a while, and Everton's just been kind of waiting to see what happens. And, and obviously, you're now going to move for him. The Valencia one does does reek of a panic bar, though, doesn't it? I think. But I still look at other areas of the squad as well. I think before the windows, before this summer, I thought we needed a new goalkeeper, we needed a new commanding centre back, which we've gone and got. But I've also thought we need a player who can do the similar job to Gareth Barry in midfield because you can't rely on him all season. We need a replacement for Stephen Pienaar and a new centre forward. And you're looking at the plays we've brought in now, and I think we've probably only got one in Williams. Mm. That's that's the, that's the one area that falls out of major concern that we've actually got and addressed. I mean, Stecklenberg's done well, but you know, I'd rather look at if you're going to look at him as a whole. You look at his, his past three years, not the past three games for Everton, and you can you've seen he struggled in the Premier League. He's mm. made errors consistently. I, I hope he proves me wrong and he goes on to do well, but. That's a bigger sample size. We're not going to replace with a PR. We still lack that guy in the final third. And if Lukaku gets injured, then we're really going to be struggling. I mean, there's a bit of an elephant in the room as well, Alison. When you look at how well we've started the season, how well players that were not deemed decent enough in the last couple of years have done. I mean, I'm looking at Kevin Morales, and brand new sign. I'm looking at him, how good we've done so far. I mean, is it a storm in a teacup because we're caught in the euphoria of deadline day and we've got the sky on in the studio here and we're just yellow things are flashing up everywhere saying, look, Chelsea have signed David Luiz, everyone's going nuts. I think a lot of emphasis is put on the fact that, well, other clubs are spending money, why aren't we? When simply you look at how pragmatic Koeman's been, certainly in his selection so far, you would you would think he would carry that over into the business he does in the transfer market as well. And he's probably sitting there thinking, there's no need to panic at this stage. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you do take a step back, this is probably the 
Everton are in a better position than they've been in for a lot of the time over the last two decades. Mm. And as you say, with <laughs> with how things went under Martinez, there are a lot of players in that team that are good enough to finish in the top six, that are good enough to play for Everton and get us to where we want to be. Mm. And there are going to be a lot of you know new signings. Um, so I don't think... Like you said, I don't think it's the time to press the panic button, and I think we've got a very able squad. It's just there are, as you said, Matt, there are a few gaps that need filling, and it, that's been, it's been Everton's problem. I think for twenty years, the starting eleven has always been very good and can beat anyone in the day. It's when we get injuries that we don't have the, the quality to step in. And I mean, if you look at Man City when they had their takeover from two thousand eight, they did it gradually. They mm. got in, you know, if. They just added quality, sprinkle quality each window. And I think, to be honest, I think this window, if you look at the players they've signed, and they've sort of bought the best players of the teams who you know you would expect to finish yeah. below us. And I don't know if there's a bit of a plan to, to get us back to the top eight, the top six, and then go for those those better players. You know, There's obviously going to be a three-year yeah. plan, mm. a five-year plan, and I don't think, I don't think we're going to see... I don't think Koeman's going to sign a player for the sake of it, basically. But it is, it is a head scratcher that he said he needs three keepers. An England international mm. has been available on loan, and for whatever reason, he's decided against it. But when 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 that news came out, you'd think, well, he must have other options. Mm. And now we're quarter to seven, and Stecklenburg or Joel is going to be. You know, Stecklenburg will be the number one if we don't sign anyone. But if anything happens to him, then Joel comes in and. It's just very weird that Koo- it's not like Kuman. We've just we've guessed he said he wants three keepers. Yeah. So it's one of them where you think, well, who have we gone for and who have we missed out on? But as I say, I, I think he's not going to play sign players for the sake of it. But on the other hand, there's <laughs> gaps, so it doesn't really add up. Yeah, whichever way you look at it, I think uh, we probably covered all the angles there in the first fourteen minutes of the show. But stay with us. There's more on this and uh, a couple on uh, a couple of comments on the departures. The are potentially happening as well. James McCarthy looks like he might be one of them, uh, and we might might touch a little bit on football uh, when we're <laughs> after seven o'clock. But we're back in a couple of minutes. You listen to the Blue Room. Keep your tweets coming in at the Blue Room EFC. Uh, we'll read them out on air and discuss uh, all of your comments. Uh, just keep them coming. This is the Blue Room. One hour, everything Everton. Radio City Talk. Welcome back. It's uh, 13 minutes to seven. Everton still haven't signed anyone, which includes Enna Valencia at this moment in time. So, you know, every cloud and all that. Uh, <laughs> it's at the Blue Room EFC if you uh, want to get involved in tonight's show. I'm Dave Downey, Cy Magna, Elliot Bretland and Matt Jones are in here until about half past seven. Um, or probably the time it takes to, uh, for Everton to sign, but we don't want to be here all night. Um, Matt, aside from all of this chaos that's going on at the moment... Everton played decent football against Stoke. I'd, <laughs> I'm trying to get away from it as much yeah. as I can. Um, a, a deserved win in the end against Stoke. But, you know, you look at that squad of players, first substitution in that game, Aruna Kone's coming on. That is what many, including myself, would be saying, hang on, what is going on here? Elliot said it just before mm. the break about that first 11. Fine, I've no problem with it at all. Front four looks great. Mm. Even look to the likes of De La Feo on the bench. If he can, if he can pull his finger out a little bit more, then you might see something from him uh, in this season. Certainly against lesser clubs, which he seems to do well against. Yeah. But it, it is that looking past that first eleven where you start having problems. I mean, Kone actually, I thought, put a half decent shift in against Stoke. He was atrocious against Spurs. But that is where the problem lies: is getting a squad together now, isn't it? 
I thought you were going to turn it onto a positive point then. Uh, it sort of is. I said Kone played well. Uh, I'll give you that one then. But he was the first sub. <laughs> but yeah, I think I was speaking to Connor on the show last night and he said, what would you say was there any negatives about Koeman so far? And I was racking my brains and, and I thought, um, this, I didn't think the changes were the best on Saturday. I was looking at the, the bench and thinking, Alan Lennon maybe could have cut on, uh, come on and give us a bit of energy. We're looking a little bit tired. But aside from that, it was, it was quite therapeutic watching that really and, and the way that we we dealt with uh, very much. It was like an old-fashioned Stoke team, wasn't it? With Crouch up front, launching balls into the box. They had big, powerful players in midfield. They had energy on the flanks, and I thought it was going to be a real physical test for us. Mm. But for the second game in a row, really, uh, against West Brom, we, we dealt with that aerial bombardment really well. And I think um, the, the partnership with, with Jackie Elkin and Williams looked particularly promising. They looked like they'd been playing together for a while. They seemed quite reactive to each other's movements and I think they complement each other really well. So it was it was a good, solid performance. Yeah, and I think in the end, the chances we created were, were enough to win the game. At 11 o'clock tonight, Elliot, if we we haven't signed anyone or we've only signed Enna Valencia and we're all sitting there looking at each other, you take the Twitter and you look at people who put out, oh yeah, but we've signed this, it's been a really good window. And then the immediate thing that everybody else does, the natural thing to do, is look at the young players we've got coming through and say, well, we've got Dahl, we've got Davis. The one that stuck out so far, without any shadow of a doubt, and, and I think he's probably been our best player alongside Adrissa uh, Gay and Gareth Barry, is Mason Holgate. And um, I, was, I was tweeting after the game against Stoke, I'm so glad we didn't sign Arnautovic, because uh, he just schooled him all day long, and he was absolutely brilliant against Stoke, wasn't he? Yeah, Holgate, is, uh, it, it makes it... I mean, I was a massive John Stones fan, absolutely loved him, mm. but... I've sort of forgot about him already because Holgate's there and he can defend and he doesn't do silly things in the six-yard box. Um, do, you see, do you see him at right-back throughout his career or do you think he will be a centre-half? I think he'll be a centre-half. But mm. I think I think while Coleman's out, I think he can do a very That's good a job. He's small, though, for a, for a centre-half, mm. doesn't he? Yeah, yeah but uh, that that's the thing. So, I mean, you, we, uh, do you remember it with Jolie and Lescott when we first signed him? He started at left-back yeah. and Leighton Baines couldn't get a look yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, because of how successful he was on the left hand side. I mean, I, I think it's 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 always been a, a way for us. It always seems to have been a way for us that our centre halves, when they've been nurtured through the club, have started out on like Galloway as well. Mm. Have, have started out on at either full back position, but they've come to us as central defenders, and then they've actually impressed so much at full back. You start thinking, well, hang on, is he really a centre half? Bit but, like Hunsworth when he started yeah, out as yeah. a centre half, yeah. wasn't he, and then went left back. Yeah, we've got a tradition. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, yeah. is that is that is that the done thing? How you blood a centre half by starting them a fullback? <laughs> it, it seems like, doesn't it? But, yeah. but, but going back to Holgate, I think he's he's shown enough in terms of his defensive instincts and the way he reacts to to the play to show that he can play centre back. I mean, thinking back to that West Brom game, <clears> the amount of times he just seems to step out of nowhere and intercept the ball and, and then get us moving again was was outstanding. And I know they're different positions, but. That kind of anticipation and to be able to intercept the, intercept the ball—that's maybe something that could compensate for his, his lack of physicality. I mean, don't get me wrong; I don't think he's he's fully developed quite yet. But if if you can spot the danger and you can step in and take the ball, then then you've got enough to play centre back. I think yeah. what I've really um, been impressed about over the course of the last couple of games is the fact that the way Cumin has has just set up. Um, it, we seamlessly seem to go from having four at the back to three at the back, and and, and what. What I've been impressed with Holgate about is the fact that he can come from that right back position into like the right of the three centre halves. And considering like we had um, a defence that was leaking goals left, right, and centre last year, couldn't see games out. Um, and um, just to see that transition happen, where like I say, that's 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 happening seamlessly. Um, I, I think it's really refreshing. And 
I think um, going back to the Stoke game as well, particularly uh, the last couple of years when we've played Stoke, I, f- I feel like um, they've been a- aggressive in our faces and bullied us a little bit. And and seeing them on Saturday, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's because Hughes had a I don't know a lack of respect to the way Martinez played football and set up, or he has more respect for the way Cumin sets up. Mm. But they seem to play a lot within themselves and in the shell. And and it was us that were bullying them, which is the way you know. Well, I don't think I've seen I haven't seen Bully Stoke because yeah. they've always been physical and, and 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 up there in your face and um it was it wasn't great on the eye, but it but it was possibly one of our best performance this season I think because yeah. just we dealt with it and 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 that was it and we didn't get out to second gear. Well, I, I, that's that, that's the other thing that's refreshing Elliot as well amidst the the sort of transfer dismay is the. This is a team based on my potential as well because we haven't in full stride. In my opinion, the three games that have been to so far this season, it's been the basics but done very well. Um, I, I don't think you're looking at anything that's been radically different in terms of how we've set up. We just look strong. The pragmatic approach from Koeman as well, so refreshing when you think of how much we've got on Martinez. is back for not changing anything up. I mean, you've got Koeman who makes a sub after half an hour and changes the shape of the side. No, no bones about it. Takes bravery for the manager to do that, but also, I mean, for, for us who've even been crying out for years for this sort of manager who will take that approach with with our players. I mean, it, it's very, very refreshing to see, isn't it? And I was looking when interested when Funes Mori come on, and I thought, well, is that a Moyes-esque type of substitution by uh, putting putting on a centre half with a, with a few minutes to go? The funny thing was when Moyes was the manager, people have moaned at that. We weren't, we weren't going for game. I mean, you can't please everyone, can you? But um, people have moaned at a substitution being made like that. But Funes Mori again, he's another individual with the help of Stones and uh, Stones uh, Williams and Jagielka. I mean, uh, Williams was in his ear all game uh, when he come on against uh, against West Brom. I think Kuman appreciates that experience at the back as well, so he, he he doesn't mind switching from a four to a five and having that versatility because he knows he's got defenders in every sense of the word in there. So, I mean, it's really positive that a one nil win. I mean, when's the last time we had one of them? I mean, I think I think the big the big thing is how many people were actually worried that we were going to concede late on. I don't think. Yeah. It was. Mm. It's just that <laughs> the last two seasons with Martinez. Even two nil up, as we approved. You, every shot that came in, every cross, you were thinking they're going to score, they're going to score, they're going to score, and inevitably they did. But on uh, on Saturday with Stoke and the same with West Brom, to be honest, I wasn't, I was never worried. We just look so much more solid, and it's the fact that Cooman seems to know what he's doing. You know, he 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 made the change on thirty seven minutes. He saw it. The fans can see it, and we might say, "I'll oh, make the sub." And a lot of managers will maybe wait till the hour mark, or mm. but thirty-seven minutes he changed it because it's about results. <laughs> and if you're one nil down and you're not looking like you're getting into the game, you're gonna you're gonna finish with zero yeah. points. And so he changed it, and it's just it is a breath of fresh air for the last the last two seasons to to always be worried and never feel like you've got the three points. It, we've just looked so much more solid. It, it's it's the preparedness thing as well, Matt. I think you know you've you've got players who are able to change shape so yeah. rapidly in a game and then revert back to another shape and it, it's it's how he's drilling this into them in, in training I mean I know he's putting on double sessions and he's been very militant I've heard in his approach mm-hmm. um, with with everything that's going on at Finch Farm and things like that I mean to, to have the players that sort of regimented to be able to switch things up whenever he says I mean that, that takes a lot of work and initially before the season started particularly in the pre-season games I was looking at things and thinking this is going to take a hell of a long time. We might not get a win for a few games here. 
people are going to kick off straight away. But it's it's been anything but, and that that to me is a, a massive, a rapid transformation, not 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 one that's taken a while. Yeah, it's a testament to his coaching. Isn't yeah, it? but I think there were signs against Manchester United in that testimonial. They were going to be a lot more organised than. When you think of when they sometimes played free at the back under Martin, it, it was almost used like a last resort. It was kind of when we were in poor spells of form, he kind of just gave it a go. Whereas this system seems to have been drilled into the players and obviously a lot of the time has been, been put into that. But it, it, I know I was a little bit critical about his substitutions at the start, but I think what, what has been good in that sense is that he's, he's reacted well to the changes that the uh, opposition have made. You know, when you think about uh, West Brom when they brought Ricky Lambert on and they had him and Rondon up front and then Williams was on straight away then to deal with it. At the weekend, there uh, Stoke brought John Walters on, and, and again, Murray was on to the other straight away. Whereas if you think back to Martinez, when we played Stoke and, and lost that four-three game, we had at one point we had Naismith, Barkley, Delafay, Lukaku, Kone, all on the pitch at the same yeah. time. We were three-two up, and you're thinking after, that's when you should <clears> be <throat> shutting the game down and try and see it out with ten minutes to go. And instead, we kept all those players on and ended up losing four-three. So it's it's sensible, isn't it? It's doing the sensible things yeah. and the basic things, right? And not overcomplicating it. You know, he said after the game himself that he was disappointed we didn't kill the game off. But but once you've had those chances and once you've got through that spell and you haven't killed it off, that's when you've got to shut it down and say, right, we're just going to take what we've got now. And and that's what we've done well in the in the two games so far, mm-hmm. the last two games when we've won. Just one before we take another break, so si, uh, one contentious issue. Well, he always has been, I think, as far as many Evertonians are concerned, is Ross Barkley. Um, Cummins made. Every effort you would think, even between the lines, to to try and put things in place to try and get the best out of him. I mean, I thought he was really good against Yeovil, given the captain's armband, uh, so mature in his comments after the game as well. Um, and I got absolute pelters for saying I I thought he was quite poor against Stoke. Um, and as soon as you say that, people immediately on your back saying you hate Ross Barkley. I I love the <coughs> lad. I want him to stay for life. I I think he's top class, and he can be top class. What have you made of him that's different under Koeman that, than you would suggest was it's sort of the same sort of issues he had in terms of decision-making and, and, and when to shoot and things like that under Martinez? I've been, I've been impressed, to be honest, this season with him. Um, I, th- I think, like I said about Stoke playing within the shell against us on Saturday, uh, I think last season, the season before, Barkley was playing in a bit of a shell as well. Yeah. Uh, playing within himself, not really. I think um, the way sort of Martinez had them coached was to... Was 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 kind of strict and and you know not um, not chasing balls back and staying in a particular particular area. Um, I, I've seen a different side of his game. This this I still don't think he's a number ten. I don't I don't think he's that that kind of player. I think what the kind of player that we need in that area, if you're going to play one up top, is is someone like Tim Cahill who's going to go in and get goals. I don't see that in Barkley's play. I'd like to see him a little bit deeper, but I think um, in terms of some of his touches and and and, and flicks um, got a lot of people um, angry and, and and frustrated last season. And I've seen them being, you know, you know, still attempting that and and having confidence in that. Whereas last season he didn't have confidence mm-hmm. in his passing. Um, a lot of them haven't come off, but a lot of them have, or a yeah. lot of them are going in areas that players should be anticipating. You know, the ball's going in in those areas, and if players aren't up to the level of Barkley, that's not his fault. Mm. Um, and and to be yeah, in 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 all honesty, I've been impressed with with his development, and I do think that he's beginning to impress him, express himself a bit more, which is um, which is what we want to see. And players of, I was going to say players of his age, he's he's not young anymore. He's he's you know he should he's, he should be at that time where he's um, realizing his, his human said as much, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and he's he's going to still make mistakes because in terms of. Uh, developing into the player that he can be, that that's still ongoing. But um, 
I, th- I think, and I feel a condition the fans have given him a bit more of a break this this year, and I, th- I think we'll 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 reap the benefits. I think he'll 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 be great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Let's take a break. We've uh, got more transfer nonsense and chaos coming up after it. Um, we'll also talk a little bit more about um, the, the the current side and how it sets up, and in particular the goalkeeper as well. That's another contentious issue. Like uh, as Elliot was saying a little bit before, we haven't uh, taken a dabble on Joe Hart, who's ended up in uh, sunny Italy in in uh, Turin. So uh, there's more to come. It's the Blue Room at the Blue Room EFC. If you've got anything to say to us, uh, we're back in a couple of minutes. This is the Blue Room. One hour, everything Everton. Radio City Talk. Welcome back. It is the Blue Room. On Radio City Talk, Dave Downey, Matt Jones, Elliot Bretland and Cy Magna uh, all the way through until half past seven. Probably a bit further as well with uh, everything that's going on. We're just looking at Vinnie O'Connor outside Finch Farm now. Looks as if the heavens are about to open as well. Is, is that Messi in the background behind him? There, <laughs> Raquel May with a co- <laughs> Raquel May with a Costa behind him there looking to, uh, to sign. Uh, thankfully not Paul in Evelyn Valencia. He looks as gutted as, as we do though, doesn't he? I think he does and I, I, I think I believe he's an Evertonian. He's well. been there all day with nothing to report. Yeah, well I feel even more sorry for, for one of my colleagues, Alan Eyre, when he was at Mel- uh, Melwood and that absolutely nothing is going on mm. over there. I think he's been talking about Balotelli. I think he'll be quite glad to be inside the only after what happened a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah he's, uh, there's plenty of sympathy, there's plenty of things going around <laughs> on Twitter about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, incidentally he's on uh, the breakfast show tomorrow in, in for Steve's so uh, uh, that should be fun. We can hear about his uh, his deadline day tales. I'm, I'm sure he won't <laughs> disclose too much information, but I think there's a reason why they don't have uh, crowds of people behind him anymore. And I think Al's one of them. Um, anyway, back back to the the Everton chat. I mean, it, this window, it's got uh, everyone talking. It's got everyone caught up in a in a bit of hysteria. Whichever way it goes, I mean, I was sat here. I think it was what three four years ago on deadline day, and it looked as if Lukaku was going back to West Brom. We hadn't finalised James McCarthy mm-hmm. signing and Gareth Barry was nowhere to be seen yet. Lo and behold, a few hours after after finishing broadcast and we had all three of them in the bag. Things can change quickly. But going back to I mean, I, I might be I may be saying the same thing again, Matt, but to, to leave it so late, surely that that is a little bit negligent from Everton. Surely you've got you've got to say it is. I know there might be a long term plan in place, yeah. but I mean, I'm having kittens because we haven't got a backup striker, and one the, the one that might be in our way is Ender Valencia. Yeah, I, I, I think we spoke about it on the season preview. So I think Sai actually disagreed <laughs> with me, a bit pesky, but uh, I think, I, think, I, said, uh, I, think um, I personally think taking a while to get the manager in and taking a while to get the director of football in kind of put the whole summer on hold. Mm. And everything's kind of backed up a little bit since then because while Walsh is uh, will have formulated targets for Leicester, and he would have known about players. He wouldn't have had time to discuss things with the manager. He wouldn't have had time to, to find out what types of players he likes and what type of system he wants to play and to, to go out and find those players, uh, especially if you're looking at the, the foreign market as well, which we've obviously found very difficult to, to get done. It's it's taken a lot of time for us to get used to. Should it, we have been that naive, though? I mean, it, it's a transfer window, and and, um, and, and Steve-O's tweeted us here saying, Mark, he signed and question mark. We spent nothing except the Stones money and now we're scraping the battle for West Ham reserves. Uh, it was supposed to be a wash with money, go from Mata to um, Enna Valencia. You said we were a wash with money. Well, that, that's the thing as well. That, that's what I, I put to a lot of people. It was it was spun by the media that mm. Everton had this war chest. I still think it's probably there. And, and that, that that's me who's quite critical mm. of the situation. Um, I, I just think that the... The process that they've gone hasn't it gone down hasn't been great in terms of trying to recruit but, players. But I've, the, the question I want to put, put to you, Matt, is how uh, they've been naive, for want of a better phrase, for me to, to think that 
these these players wouldn't join initially. I mean, they've gone in for Mata allegedly. They've gone in for Vitzel, which is pretty much well known. Mm. Um, other big names that that we've supposedly tried to buy. Mm. That hasn't come off. That isn't a shock to all of us, really, is it? Given the eleven place thing that we've spoken about, given the Martinez, yeah. um, you know, t- era that, that ended in such dismay. That isn't a surprise to us. Why should that be a surprise to the people who are doing transfers at Everton? Why, why is that the situation? Because it's all it's all naive, isn't it? It's all sorry, it's all new. <laughs> yeah, it is all naive. It is all naive. They've potentially yeah. been a bit naive, haven't they? But I think I think the targets that we've been linked with have changed throughout the summer. Yeah. I think if you look at before Walsh came in, those are the sorts <laughs> of names we were linked with, like Whitsell, Carvalho, Mata, all these big name players that got everybody excited. But it's, I think there was a bit of a lull in the middle of the window where when Walsh came in and we didn't seem to be linked with anyone, and that's when a lot of people started panicking worrying about who was going to come in. And obviously in the last couple of weeks, it, it's picked up again. And the, the type of targets have been different. They've not been players who, who are that big names. And I think that's probably down to, to the director of football coming in. You know, Listen, by all accounts, Lucas Perez was, was set to join, yeah. wasn't he? And Arsenal come in the last minute and, uh, and and took him away. So there's not much you can do about that. And you, you don't really know what's gone on with a lot of deals as well. But it is concerning that they've not got the uh, the, the deals through. And, and now they do seem to be... Uh, at the bottom of the list and a lot of the, the targets. Mm. Um, question on Twitter from Andy Graven, who we had on last week from the Everton, well, formerly of the Everton supporters, just he, he's just stepped down, so hasn't he? Formally, yes. Not yet. Not <laughs> he's about to. Yeah. He's, he's serving out his notice. Don't go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, he steps down on, on Saturday, unfortunately. We'll have uh, we'll have a, a little word on the supporters just towards the end of the show. Um, but Andy has asked, great show, lads. It's the last minute of the transfer window. He's given us a scenario here. Last minute of the transfer window, we can bring in one player only. Who would you bring in and why? And then uh, in brackets after these, put, I'm hoping for, for four more. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, go on, you can answer that first. Who would you bring in? It's got to be a striker. Yeah. I think that it, it was a goalkeeper, but we've got Stecklenberg who's shown that he, you know, he's 23 games, but he's been okay. If Lukaku gets injured, we are we are really struggling with having to play a Delafeo up top or a Kone. And it's... it's We've got a lot of forward players, but we don't have any like number nines. Mm. We don't have that main out and out striker who's going to get you the goals. And I think we will. Those goals. (laughs) Can you think of a name though? (laughs) That's another thing. That's the problem. All those traits you just mentioned there. Like I completely agree. That's the type of player that we need. But getting that type of player in, you know, there's hardly any. You know, look at West Ham and all the strikers they've been linked to this summer, and they've been rejected, rejected, rejected. Not been able to get one in until until Zaza recently. So. It's it's really tough to find that type of player, and well, I think we, that that's been another issue. Hasn't we were it? quite advanced with that Gabbiadini. Um, he's not. He's he's more of a withdrawn like second striker though, isn't he? He's not I, a number I don't nine. Know too yeah. Much about him, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, he's 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 definitely. I mean, I've not seen much of him, but from what from what I've I've read about him, what I've been told by people who who follow Italian football, he's more of a withdrawn. Can play wide. Can play as, as a number ten as well. I mean, my preference would be an out-and-out striker because I I think that'll benefit Lukaku as well. Hmm. I think um, I don't think Lukaku is. The kind of, I don't think Lukaku's the kind of sort of um, centre forward that that can lead the line. I think he he's um, he he plays well off other play, other people, and I think if there's another um, sort of um, talisman up there that can take away defenders from Lukaku, I think that'll bring him mm. on. So I'd say um, I'd say probably centre forward, but I, I, I say I think maybe Kone as well. Two of the names I think that I mean I don't know what our relationships like with Southampton at the moment, but a Charlie Austin or a Shane Long, they're not top quality, but they might get you nine, ten goals, and mm. they're there. They, they they know the position, they know the league, 
They're not going to set the world alight on transfer deadline day. We're not going to think, oh, wow, we've signed Shane Long. But <coughs> he's a hard worker. And as you as you said, Ty, that it's about creating space for Lukaku. It's about creating options for Barkley rather than just the one man up top. You know, it's someone to bring on, something to change it up. And it's it, at the moment, we're just going to be very limited with just the, the one out-and-out striker. Yeah, I think... I, I, go on, I was going to ask you, Dave, are you happy, you know... We all know you love goalkeepers and talk about goalkeepers. Are you happy with the goalkeeping situation? Um, I, no, but I find it, myself being a bit of a hypocrite because I think Stecklenberg has been brilliant so far. Mm. I think he, he's done nothing wrong. Uh, I've seen people question him for the, the West Brom goal, uh, which McCauley scores. I actually think he fouled in the process there or possibly there was someone blocking him anyway to prevent him from coming for it. Um, I didn't think that was too much of his fault. The saves he made were fantastic. I mean, uh, against, against Spurs... We don't get a point if he if he doesn't yeah. save them, and that that's that emphasizes the point of how much a goalkeeper means. Yeah, I'm so very surprised. The hard thing I think is one, I, I'm I'm hoping and praying we don't go on to live to regret. Um, I actually had lingered hopes when Stoke signed a Lee Graham from Derby before they've got four keepers. Now I had lingering hopes that uh, 35 million effort for Jack Butland was forthcoming, <laughs> but that doesn't look to have been the case. Um, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I think a lot of people are quick or maybe too quick, in my opinion, to put the faith in, in Ronald Koeman blindly with certain things um, because, you, you know, so many people aren't wrong. I think he, he not many Fulham fans would say he's a good goalkeeper. Southampton wouldn't say he's a good goalkeeper. I think he was decent at Roma. Um, I, I'd, I'd prefer a keeper. I, I, even when he come in, I said we that should be one of our priorities. Uh, having made the start he has, it's hard to moan. Um, and it'd be very, very harsh had we bought a keeper to take him off the side straight away. And that would be me being even more of a hypocrite given the fact that I was crying for Robles to be in instead of Tim Howe for the majority of last season, yeah. which eventually come to fruition. So um, it, it's a very, very difficult one, I think. But I'd, I'd love us to have a new goalkeeper. An enthusiastic one as well. One you can, you can say, like a Butland, you can pin your hat on him, saving you so many points a season. There's not many of them about. Yeah. I think he's a sitting duck in terms of where he's at at Stoke. So I mean, maybe further down the line that that might happen. I know he's injured at the moment, isn't he? Um, so hopefully that that might come to fruition. But in answer to uh, Andy's question, I, I go full house with you guys. I think strikers desperately needed. Um, I think the, the the thing I wanted to put back to you about that is, I mean, do you remember when we first signed Kevin Morales and he had a better than one and two goal scoring record at Olympiacos? Mm. He was never, I don't think, properly tried for any sort of length of time as an out-and-out striker. I thought that may have happened with Lukaku being injured for the first game of the season. He sort of tinkered with Dale Feu and Morales, sort of not, neither of which were a proper out-and-out striker. He ran the channels and did things that strikers do, but they were never leading the line. And The weakness against Spurs was the ball was tossed up a few times and neither of them were very good in the air. Um, although the, the transformation in Morales' effort, I think, has been fantastic. Mm. But is that is that an option <clears> that you could see happening? I mean, you play Morales off Lukaku, you could you could play with the two of them. I, I think he's capable of doing that. I think he, he has played there a couple of times for us. But not, not for the sustained yeah. period. I don't know, it's a, it's a tough one. I think Martinez did try and use him off Lukaku <clears> at, at times. And I think those two did show a bit of chemistry, didn't they? There was a spell and they were linking up really well together. And then setting, one was setting the other one yeah. up while the other was setting the other one up. <clears throat> But um, I think I think Koeman prefers Delafeu there, doesn't he? You know, he's touched upon how we used to play there for Barcelona B. 
He's used them there in pre-season. He used them there against Spurs. I actually think he did okay against Tottenham in that position. But yeah, like, he, he, he certainly pulled out wide. He, yeah. was, um, he helped McCarthy out to play right wing back. Like, I don't know. Right wing. Yeah, I think I don't. Know, I don't know if the other lads agree, but I think against teams where you know Spurs pushed both fullbacks on, didn't they? And he was mm. up against two of the players then, there, and he could run the channels and he had a bit more space. But against West Brom, when he played in that position, they weren't pushing the fullbacks on. It was Johnny Evans and I think Craig Dawson. Centre half. Yeah, they just sit in tight yeah. as a four, and he was just <clears> smothered <throat> out of the game then. And I, th- I think he can be useful in that position away from home, or potentially against teams at Goodison who were going to push players on. He's another one, Ellis, isn't he, who divides opinion, Dale Lafayou. And I've I've started to get on, surprise, surprise, the negative side on him. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if he's all that, or he could be all that. What do you think? I don't think he's all that, to be honest. Um, Obviously, if you're a young lad at Barcelona, you're not going to get many chances to get in the first team. But there's just something missing from his game. There's, I, I don't know. It's just he, is he the attitude his... for you because I mean, seeing him yeah, so... when he was in a foot race with Jonas Olsen and he, he went down like a sack of the proverbial, um, having not be, or barely been touched. I mean, that he needs to eradicate. But in terms of pure talent as a player in there, we know that we've seen him play well against poorer sides. But he does go missing so often. He does. I mean. This, I mean, I don't know how many fans would agree with me, but I prefer Aaron Lennon on mm-hmm. the right, just because of the work rate. It, he, Coleman plays better <laughs> when Lennon is in front of him rather than Delefeu. I think Delefeu is a bit of a luxury, but saying that, how much does he does he bring? Is he a match? He's not. Is he a match winner? He puts it. He's he's very good. What I love about him, I think he's a really good cross of the football. But in terms of his overall play, I, I wouldn't have him in my first eleven. And just going back to Morales, I think we've wasted him, to be honest, playing him out wide. I think he's very good out wide and he brings a lot, but I think centrally he's a very good finisher. He's very intricate with his play and I think he, he could have really done well linking up, maybe play Barkley deeper, as Simon said, and play Morales in the number 10 maybe as a sort of striker come number 10 where so there's two up front so he can change it up. So I think he's a good winger. Delefeu, I'd, I'd rather see Morales and Lennon on the wings if we, mm. if we don't sign anyone uh, in the window but um, Delafeu I'm I'm not sold to be honest the, the, the funny thing I found from Koeman as well when we signed Balassi was he, he mentioned him as a striker I don't think I've ever seen him play as such for Crystal Palace again it, it just emphasizes it does, but he it, has played there for he, a few times I remember he played at Anfield at the, at the point of the attack yeah, yeah for, uh, but it, it emphasises that point I think that everyone was making about We've we've got we're at sixes and sevens when it comes to attacking midfield players who aren't quite strikers and he's a, he's another one that fits that bill. You think well, hang on, could he potentially do a job up there alongside Lukaku? What do you think, Sai? Um, I think he could potentially do a job up there, but I, th- I think he's pro- possibly one of those strike uh, players where when he's playing in that position, if he's having a bad game, he's badly exposed, uh, and that that could affect him uh, sort of mentally going forward. Um, I, th- I think I tend to agree with the two lads. I, I, I don't think De La Feu's the finished option. I don't, th- uh, don't think he's anywhere near um, being finished, the, the finished product at the moment. Um, I had big criticisms of him in, in his first season. I think he had he's, he still has got bags of potential um, and he, he, he can be exciting at times. I was a little bit surprised that he was playing as a, as a, as a the, that focal point of, of, of the forward line when Lukaku was on the bench because um, I have uh, said before in the past that I think Morales did come as, as more of an attacking mm. kind of player and um, there, there was once or twice um, like you're right when, when he, he took over from Lukaku I, I seem to remember a cup game particularly and um, you can finish as well can't he yeah yeah and and he, he, he was up against like quite a physical def- defence I can't remember for the life of me who it was 
but he, he equipped himself really well and he and he and he troubled them to be fair and it was quite late on in the game and Morales not one that to to be known to you know to go 90 minutes and be quite effective and, and that that surprised me and I think I'd like to see uh, yeah I'd definitely like to see him in that position where he's uh, playing off Lukaku supporting and maybe even you know when if Lukaku needs a break coming in and, and, and doing that job for him and and that yeah potentially does free up Barkley to to to, to sit a bit deeper to be a uh, to come forward a little bit more. I've seen a, just a couple of funny tweets caught me eye there. Tonight's the night Cooman deactivates his Twitter account. <laughs> and someone said, Surprised it uh, hasn't happened already. Uh, no, I, I am surprised. I said that as soon as he signed his man. <laughs> Ronald, please, please get rid of it. Uh, also, someone else tweeted saying, Imagine convincing Lukaku to stay with the Machiri project in inverted commas and then signing in a Valencia. Ha ha ha. Uh, yeah, the naysayers are out in force. I'll probably jump on that bandwagon a little bit later. Listen, if we, if we do sign an Evelyn I'm sure we'll all be happy to get the lad a chance and, and see what he's got. You know, we're not going to. Given the to... fact we've had of to put course, up with Coney, of course, yeah, you know, and Liasse. You know, we, we can all have concerns about the signing about saying right, we're going to write this lad off straight away and, and yeah. not give him a chance and get on his back. It's, it's two completely different things, but that's the culture these days. Yeah, though, of course, but you know, I think what else we need to be positive about is, is looking at the manager and, and the difference he's made to players we've got already. I think already he's shown he, he's bringing out another side to. Gareth Barry's game in, in terms of the way he's, he's getting forward and influencing the play. I think Ross Barkley's showing promising early signs in the window. Holgate's looking good under, under his watch and having a manager in there who, who's got a proven record as a coach and, and brought on a lot of players at Southampton like the likes of Shane Long, the likes of Wanyama, Fond, Klein, all, all improved under him. I think getting having him there and helping him bring these players on listen there's an obsession with transfers and then getting new players in mm. and getting fans happy but if you've got a coach you can get an extra 5-10% out of the players you've already got and that's going to count for a lot and I think in Koeman we, we seem to have a manager who can do that Oh, well, yeah, that's the thing going back to what you said about Manalas I, <clears throat> he typifies it all for me because I don't think he's he's in top form yet but in terms of his, his work ethic and, and what a Ronald Koeman manager you know d- d- needs from a player um, he, he's been brilliant in terms of the attitude he's shown and he, you know Koeman's walked in there I think first day and said look this is what I demand you know there'll be some of you who can cope with it there's some of you who can't <clears> and he's come to that crossroads he's been at crossroads in his Everton career for a while I think Kevin Morales and seeing him celebrate that goal seeing him come over to the fans at the end against West Brom I'm looking at him in a totally different light than I did under Martinez. He, lo- he does look a lot more professional um, about his about the way he goes about his, his game this season. <clears throat> I think he personifies Everton over the last couple of years. Yeah, um, he suffered more than most of them as well. Hasn't yeah, he? yeah, definitely. And 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 to, to be fair, like um, he he's, he has come on leaps and bounds. He looks like a, a dif- different player, and I think he's come to that point. You're, you're right. He's had a crossroads in his career. I think he's been here a couple of times for Everton in the past where. Um, it, it's it's been like it's a, a new lease of life for him, and it's just fizzled out. But to me, what what we're seeing at the moment looks a lot more professional. Looks, a, you know, he's he's taken his career seriously, and sort of realizes that um, it's his last real chance to to have a, a go of things. And you know, he's been outspoken before in the past that he wants to play Champions League football. He came from a team that was playing Champions League football in Olympiacos. He he could go back there. Whenever he wants, do you know what I mean? But he, he, he's not going to be playing at that level at Everton player, um, week in, week in, week out. So, yeah, I think he's he, he, he's got um, the the season's massive for him, and 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 I think Everton could benefit from it, and and from Kevin Morales pay, uh, playing at the top of his game. But Kevin Morales can benefit from Everton being, you know, pushing on as well. Yeah. So it, it works for both. It's women <clears throat> if if he's if he has a good season. Um, just not a 
before we end the show, um, I want to touch on James McCarthy potentially leaving uh, the Sunderland Palace and I think West Brom interested in taking him on loan. Uh, that'd be interesting to see if that materialises. If it does happen before we bring anyone in, you would surmise that someone is going to be brought in. Um, he, he's one that, I, I, I hate to say it, but he's one I think a lot of people have sort of found out in, in terms of when we first got him, and I think Jordan Henderson might be suffering a little bit from this at Liverpool. Uh, r- runners and good athletes in the Premier League used to be quite a rarity and, until we got the, the modern generation of players. And I think he was one that come along and you looked at him and you thought, God, he can, he can, every blade of grass was the uh, the quote that everyone used about him. But then y- you find out that he's not a strong passer of the ball. He, he doesn't get forward. Um, there's games where he found one positionally. I think he, I, I always used to say he did Gareth Barry's leg work. I think it ended up being the other way around in the end. Um, and he's one who suffered under changes of positions. I think he suffered from not having an identity in the side. Um, I mean, it, it, I think it'd be a real shame him going, but I can't see any sort of transformation in him or anything coming from what I've seen under Koeman so far, Al. Yeah, I think I think you need to ask, what, what does he really bring to the team yeah. at the moment? And if you've got Adri Sagay, who he is basically, the way you said, you know, covers every blade of grass. I raved about McCarthy in his first season. I thought him yeah. and Barry worked brilliantly together. But if you've got Adri Sagay now, he is sort of surplus for his requirements. But as we said before, there are gaps in the squad. Bessage is out for a while. If we do let McCarthy go, as you said, there's got to be someone coming in. And to be honest, I would keep him. I'd I'd keep him in the 18, um, keep him on the bench. I mean, he may not be yeah. happy with that, but maybe wait. You know, let let's sort out our squad. But at the moment, I think he's still quite a valuable player in terms of if if we get an injury or a suspension, he can come straight in. Mm. He's played a lot of Premier League football over the last few years, and I I think it'd be a bit of a foolish move to let him go. To be honest, I completely Matthew. agree, and I think he'd be. We'd be leaving ourselves really short there. And even if we bring in Sissoko... And not the same type of player. He's not the same type of player. Sissoko's more you know, an, an attacking midfield player, I think. If something was to happen to Garner or get injured, and, and listen, you know, the position he plays in, it, you know, he's going to have to make tackles, he's going to get pick up yellow cards, he's going to get knocks every now and then. Without Bessic in the team, he's the most natural placement to come in and fill that gap, whatever you think about him. And I'd like to see him stay and fight for his place as well, to be honest. you know, I think one of the main issues uh, the last few years with him is, is he's always been guaranteed a spot on the team. He's been always playing. Now he's got someone that is going to push him and give him competition. So I'd like to see him stay, fight for his place, and then when he does get a chance to, to perhaps see the same sort of play that we've seen in the first season. He'll have to go some side to get back in, money. I mean, just to finish on a positive, uh, the, the, the pair of the game and Barry, I mean, you can't decide between the pair of them who's been the best. I mean, he... Guy's been a, a breath of fresh air. Barry is for well, he was our player of the year last last season. Uh, in in difficult circumstances, he just looks. I mean, I was saying someone needs to check his birth certificate because he does not look thirty six years <laughs> no, old. No, no, he looks ten years younger, Absolutely. doesn't he? He looks at the the, the top of his career. He's, yeah. he's composed and he's energetic and um, he's he's doing stuff that you know. He's it's, getting forward now under yeah. Cumin as well. So I'm thinking that's not what I'm used to. Does Cumin, if anything, looks like he's added a bit of versatility to his game? Yeah, and I, I think it, it's it's possibly in in spite of maybe the last couple of years and the frustrations that you know maybe he's had over the last couple of years and 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 you know he I think there was talk wasn't there when when he he came to Everton and um, he, he signed permanently about <laughs> him you know going going out to you know to out of to pastures new in, in in America to retire, um and, and I think he had something to prove and 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 maybe the last couple of years were a frustration for him and now he's pre- he's he's saying to 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 the football world you know I've still got a, a little bit left in me. I think James McCarthy is very frustrating. 
Um, as as El said before, the first season, I think he was fantastic, and he had so much promise, and and um, and I think everyone just thought he, you know, he was going to go on to bigger and better things, and it's just unfortunately it's petered out, and again it it, it goes back to that to how I suppose we've played on you know in the last two years, and there's been a few players that have really. Um, been victims to, to that style and, mm. and, and I think John Stone's one of them and, and Ross Barkley certainly and, and maybe James McCarthy and, and he hasn't come developed as, as he should have and, and um it it is a shame what what I'm you know looking at the, the yellow screen here it, it, it's saying that three clubs are in in, in for him on a, on a loan deal I don't see how that benefits Everton Football yeah. Club if he's going to go I'd sell him um yeah, he's not, he's, not, he's not a kid who you need to send out to blood no. and get games. Yeah. He's, he's someone you need to work on yourself yeah. whilst he's getting, getting games at Everton. Um, we're rapidly running out of time. Just before we finish, what do you think will happen by 11 o'clock tonight, Matt? What's I, your gut instinct? I'd probably say Sissoko will come in, Valencia will come in, and that's probably about it, unfortunately. I'd love to see Lamine and they come in from Sunderland as well, if they can get that one going, but I'd be surprised at this Would you be content with that if, that if those three happened? At this stage, not really, because I want I wanted the goalkeeper. Yeah, I think that was the one thing in the summer which I thought was a, a major issue we need to sort. I wanted the top class keeper, and we've not as well as Stecklenberg's done. I don't think we've got one. Well, uh, I'm going to be positive. I was on my way. I didn't know anything about the Annabelle and Sonia. So I'm hoping for that can quickly disappear. <laughs> that there'll be three random players that we haven't been linked with all summer: a goalie, a striker, and another centre back. And we'll end, you know, we'll end the window in in very good shape. Hopefully, so I think we've got three and a half hours almost exactly to go before the window closes, and and um, it's a long time to go. I think clubs are desperate to get players in. Clubs are desperate to get players out. Um, I think we've got very advanced with Brahimi, very advanced with Gabbiadini. Um, I think Kone's a goer if, um, if if Sunderland can replace him. I, I think there's still a lot of business to be done. Um, so. Fingers crossed that you know those three seem to be our main targets coming into this week. Um, fingers crossed they'll rekindle the fire and get them wrapped up. Mm. I think I'm probably what Matt. I think it'd probably be so going there. Valencia, unfortunately, though. And, and do you know what? If the, if if that's them too that come in, then mm. then then we'll get behind them and we'll support them. And I'll trust in Cumin and Walsh that these players, you know, will offer something to the club, um, to the team going forward. But you know, the first three. Preferably. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, I'm officially pushing the panic button right now. I don't think anything's going to happen. Um, I think we might get one over the line. I think it'll be Valencia. I'd love it. I'd love if uh, Kone could get him in. I'd love a bit of versatility at the back. But uh, we'll see in the remaining three and a half hours. Right, the uh, podcast is in the usual place on iTunes, on SoundCloud. All the lads who've been on this evening Elliot Bretland, Cy Magna, um, Matt Jones, and myself, Dave Danny. We'll all tweet that out a little bit later on. And uh, give us a tweet whenever you like at the Blue Room EFC if you want to get in touch with anything on the show. Post your questions for next week, uh, and we'll be back same time, same place next week. You've been listening to the Blue Room on Radio City Talk.